We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. you hear the music you know the show you listen to ray ellis sports on the voice america network i'm in phoenix living like it matters it's a beautiful day here in phoenix it's always beautiful in the valley uh, i'm assuming that uh, some of you are some places perhaps maybe the world the weather in the world for you today isn't as nice as it is here so i, I do a little bragging every now and then but uh, that's why we live here in phoenix but i understand on the east coast it's not too bad and I got some folks in the Midwest. They might tell us how the weather is there and 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 in the South. But um, I tell you what, I ain't mad at you. But I know some people are just mad because it's that time of the year. It's March Madness, and they out their minds. Universities from all over the country that, that, as we like to say, the top 64 of them are playing to become number one. And uh, in my mind, I think it's pretty clear the Ohio State University will be. Number one, I, I know I, I got a little distorted view of the world, but that's OK. Right now, our chances are as good as anybody out there. We never know. I, I'm not you see March Madness. The madness comes in is that anybody there's there's times where the cliche works. There's other times where it doesn't stand the chance for some reason or another during March Madness. It is ever so true on any given day. Any given team can beat another team. I don't know why. You know, I'm, I'm assuming that in Vegas, mm, probably somebody's made some money already because either they bet for somebody, you know, is, is going to be uh, upset or somebody's going to beat somebody. And uh, I got to check to see uh, what's happening. Don't even know. I got to check on my schedule before I make that statement. So I'm going to retract that statement. Maybe not, Maybe they're not quite yet upset. But before the day is over, before the night's over, somebody might be a little bit upset. But I'm not upset. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to a today's show. There's a lot of stuff. This is probably, you know, many times there are certain sports uh, uh, situations going on in, in, in the sports world that perhaps maybe would trump others. Uh, Peyton Manning, as an example right now, is, is, is a very interesting story. But March Madness. NFL free agency, um, teams being fined because of, again, manipulation of the salary caps. You know, Bounty Gate is still lingering. And gas is high as hell. 
<laughs> you know, so there's a lot going on. You need gas to get in the car to go watch the games, bottom line. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and so psychologically, man, I'm all confused. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are confused. And so I need to get, you know, I need to get a hand on this thing. And, you know, I, I want to get my mind right. And so I, I'm going to get a little help. You know, whenever I need some help, I got to go to the experts. Whenever I go to the experts, I, all I have to do is go to the Ohio State University and find me an expert. And so, and so I did that. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on in sports. And, and I, I, you know, sometimes I just don't think that we really stop and think about the psychological effects of decisions that are made, period. You know, whether it be on the court or off the court, a person waking up or not waking up. Uh, a person's approach to the business of sports as opposed to a, a person, you know, who doesn't even think about the business of sports. You know, what does the business of sports think about psychology as it pertains to sports, period? There's a lot going on there. And very few times, even the profession in itself, how much, how much respect and, um, you know, how much is it counted on when, when we think about sports, because there's a lot of us out there that when we think about sports, we mm, we really didn't look at sports as a business. You know, there are few people out there that would tell you that for them, sports is no more than entertainment. But I know myself, there's at least 32 that I'm familiar with. It's pretty close to being a billionaire if they're not all billionaires that it's always been a business for them. And so I'm today, I'm, I'm going to spend just a little bit of time because I want to dig into it from a psychological aspect. I, I'm not the expert. But I'm going to bring on an expert, and I'm going to bring on my friend from The Ohio State University. I got Dr. Danielle Mency White with me. Danielle, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Ray. Okay, I'm going to call you Doc. I just, you know, listen, if somebody spends the time and puts the work in, I know what it took for me to do what I did, hell. And uh, they called me a pro football player. If, you, if you're a doc, you're a Ph.D., you're a doctor, I'm, I'm going to respect you for that. So we, it's going to be Doc and Ray going to have a conversation. But for all those out there who are interested in knowing, this is my friend, Dr. Danielle Mency White. And I have a lot of respect for her, particularly, you know, in the field of work. And, and Doc, let me just throw that question out there. When, when we talk about sports, I, I mean, how much, in, in from your experience, uh, at the college level first, and then as we'll move into the professional level. But how much respect does the profession get when you apply it to the sport? Uh, are they willing to take the time out to get the input from the experts in your field as it pertains to the effect, the psychological effect of the sport? Is, are, are, is, it, is the industry respected when you look at football teams and basketball teams? But I have to say, over the course of time, uh, when I first uh, began my academic career uh, at the graduate level, you know, along this area, it was still kind of uh, a leery because of the fact that when you start talking about psychologists and, and working with, uh, with players, um, especially at the intercollegiate level, uh, administration, they really don't want to upset the apple cart or mess with any kind of chemistry that might uh, hinder performance. Now, when you start talking about sports psychology to enhance or improve performance, say, for instance, if someone is experiencing uh, coming off of an injury and um, say that injury involved them being able to, you know, make a certain cut on the field with running the ball, if that's what the sports psychologist can help that individual overcome, then fine. 
But anything else, they pretty. They were pretty leery about that. Um, now I'd have to say, uh, because of the business of sports, uh, they're becoming more receptive to the fact that hey, you know, some of these things that are happening off the field, some of the negative publicity is having a, a impact on our brand. And so, if there's someone out there that can uh, help us help our players overcome that and understand, you don't want to mess with the brand then yes, we're, we're receptive to it. But over time, it's been more of a, you know, we don't want you messing with them mentally because your mental, you know, you might somehow hamper, you know, their ability to perform out there on the field. Yes, and so, so, so Dr. White, I'm, I'm going to go back because you, you said something about their performance and, and, mm-hmm. and, and we got to think about it because I'm always in tune to the business of sports. So, so, so the bottom line is it, could have an effect on, on on their product, which is their money. If a guy doesn't go out and perform, oh, yeah. uh, they're they're concerned about uh, about the money. So, so w- at what point in time do you think that it became um, something of which it, it, it was no longer a joke? Because I think uh, Ron Artest played in the championship game with the Lakers, the last ring they won, and he he gave a shout out to his psychologist. And and I know there was a little chuckle in the room when I was there because people already attributed to the fact that maybe they thought Ryan was, you know, one of those screws was missing, they thought, with mm-hmm. Ryan. And, and so they took it as, as a joke, laying on the couch, that kind of thing. But but kind of give us an in-depth perspective of, even though maybe you don't know the story personally, but mm-hmm. when Ryan was perhaps maybe thinking about his psychologist and giving that shout-out, what do you think the psychologist, you know, did to... Um, to enhance his performance during the playoff series, what do you think he was spending time with the psychologist, or possibly could have been? Why was it something that was a priority for him to spend some time with a psychologist during the tournament? Well, you know what? Looking at the fact that he felt comfortable enough to give a shout out to his psychologist, I'd have to say that probably what the psychologist has helped him do was to be aware of himself. That self-awareness is key regardless of whether we're talking about um, a youth sport person uh, or somebody who has not one athletic bone in their body. Self-awareness is key to healing. So if you think about uh, the first time most people had any inkling of Ron Artest was back when he was with the Pacers, okay? Exactly. And the way his image was depicted, you know, after that whole big, you know, going into the stands. Yeah, that's the picture. Um, you know, most people think of Ron Artest as, you know, something is not right with him. Uh, he got this anger issue. Uh, then you had where I want to say he was doing, uh, wasn't he trying, I want to say he was trying to do music and I think he might have sold like maybe a hundred copies. So there was a, this, this image of him as, you know, if it wasn't for basketball, what else could he possibly do? So, by the time he gives the shout-out, Ron Artest has become aware of who he is and what he is able to bring to his team. So, therefore, his performance was no longer hindered by what was going on with him off the court. Some people may say, well, he changed his name. That might be some, some other step of his to, of self-awareness. But I will say that that was a huge um, it was a huge step for him to make, and especially because when we think of mental health issues, um, especially within the African American community, we, you know, folks still want to, you know, shy away from that. So I, I give him all kudos for be, for having the courage to give a shout out 
to uh, his psychologist. And I will say to those people that chuckled, you know, there's, I've often said, and I, I had professors that said that some of the people who probably need counseling are people who are in the helping profession <laughs> because, <laughs> it, you know, it keeps you away from dealing with your own issues. But the main thing is if you recognize that you're having some challenges, you get help in overcoming those challenges, and you get the tools necessary so that when you, you know, encounter additional challenges as you grow in life, then you are already equipped to to handle those challenges, and I believe that's what Ron Artest is what he showed. Now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of take a different direction this whole thing because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna talk about you know the aspect of, of of a young man you know who's about to play sports and and coming in and getting a physical. Is this now a part of if you will the physical examination? Is there some time spent with 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 somebody such as this in your profession, or or would you suggest that there should be? We you know, and it really depends on what you're looking for, though. Um, I do believe that there should. Well, be... Well, you know, coaches don't want to look for something that ain't apparent. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but again, we're talking about the business end of it. You may not want to look for something that's not you know up at the surface, but. You need to pay attention to if there's some little um, blips on the screen from the past, then you need to look at those and speak with the with the individual before you say draft them or you, you sign them that letter of intent. You need to ask them some very pointed questions to find out where their head is. How aware are they of the fact that you're about to embark upon a career? Well, you, you know, you, Daniel, you, you, you make, Doc, you make a very interesting point there because at the high school level and the college level and the pro level, there, there are different things that are at stake and, mm-hmm. and, and at, at risk. There's, there's, there's somewhat of an investment at the collegiate level, but we know there's some hardcore dollars that's being divvied out at the professional level. Yes. So, so I, I think at the professional level, I certainly could see that 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 you certainly should spend some some time. But let me let me ask you this: in football, there's aggression. In, mm-hmm. in basketball, sometimes we say some guys play a little too soft. They don't have the bad boy image of the of of the uh, the. the Detroit, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Isaiah right. and them had that bad boy image. Um, the Pistons, of course. Uh, so. Doing your psychological evaluation, and you say, okay, well, you know, this guy might be close to the edge. Will that be picked up in a psychological, you know, interview? And if it is, if somebody's looking for an aggressive person to play for the bad boys or, you know, or to play for the Eagles, you know, do, mm-hmm. you, do you let that, do you share that information with them? Or do you pick up in an interview that, you know, this guy, his personality is not such. He got kind of a Tony Dungy. But let me tell you, Tony Dungy took care of his business on the football exactly. field. But exactly. still, d- d- can you pick up those kind of personality traits and that kind of evaluation? And then if you do, do you share them with, hey, you want an aggressive person, you don't have one here. Or you you didn't want an aggressive person and you have one here. So maybe you change your draft status of that person. D- do you go that far? Well, you know, there are there are inventories and tests that can be given, and a lot of teams are going towards that so that they can do it in an objective versus a subjective manner. Because whereas I may, in the course of interviewing someone, if they come off and say something about, you know, when I hit, I'm going to hit because I want to I want to maim somebody. Okay, now 
using the word saying that you want to actually hurt someone in the course of doing your job, which is hitting, uh, that could be a red flag, or that might be the way that that person motivates themselves mm. by saying that that's what they're doing. So you 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 want to you want to walk a fine line between the subjective and the objective. So and and then you have to know the organization. It's just like a corporate the corporate culture. You have to know the organization. Okay, because whereas, like you you uh, mentioned earlier in your lead-in about the things that are going on in sport, the whole bounty gate, okay, what's going on with the Saints, all right, that was part of a, their culture at that time underneath that particular defensive coordinator, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. He created so, that culture. Please? He, he created that culture. Exactly. He created that culture. So what you have is now becomes the question, when we go into a culture, and especially as a, as a player, when you go into a culture that it's the bad boy image, how can you walk in there and expect to be part of the team's chemistry and contribute and be accepted if you don't buy into that image, if you don't buy into that culture? Mm. Mm. So you really have to look at, it's, it's almost like... Um, uh, as you well know, I, I teach sport management. So it's one of those things where you have to look at the impact on the economy. And when I talk about the impact on the economy, we're talking about, for instance, uh, again, the corporate culture and even the market that the team is located. Okay? Because New Orleans, um, New Orleans is a place unto itself. Okay? <laughs> so it has its own special culture. Mm-hmm. And around the time when all of this was going on, when you know, with the bounties and everything, this is during the time when they were having that the resurgence yeah, to Hurricane New Orleans. Katrina, you know right. what I'm saying? Yes. After Hurricane Katrina. So you almost have to look at it and say, heck, was the culture one to hurt other opposing players or was it to motivate the team? The defensive team players, was it to motivate them to elevate their scale of play because they were not only playing for themselves, but you're playing in a Superdome that had housed so many people who were homeless. So it could be, you know, it could be a whole lot going on there. But again, it's all about the corporate culture. And it's about uh, who's paying for the study. I just have to put it there because if Uh-oh. I'm doing, yeah, because if I'm doing psychological evaluations and, uh, you know, the, 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 the GM wants to really trash this person, even though there might be some red flags about that person, whether or not I get my contract renewed is going to be based on whether or not I give a favorable analysis of this player that they want to draft. Now, Dr. White, you know you're treading in some very deep waters right there because players have players <laughs> have always felt. Now, we're, we're talking about the psychological aspect, but we're to, uh-huh. let, let's move into some of the physical aspects of the business and, and looking at, you know, physical evaluation and assessments of one's ability to be perform at 100% because of an injury or, you mm-hmm. know, a, a, a fraction of 100%. And that, that takes me right into what I want to talk about is, uh, with you is the whole Peyton Manning kind of thing. And, and, and like you said, uh, if you're doing the examination, mm, there are some players out there that think that some people in, let's say, in the medical profession, perhaps maybe their opinions could be skewed a little bit based upon 
who pays their bill. But I don't want to go into that right now because I got to take a break. We okay. we went over the break, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about not you, but the profession as a whole because you know the NFL's got some problems with concussions and and yeah. and, and evaluations of those things. You know, in the doctor's hands, and the doctor's worried about his paycheck instead of the patient. Ooh, that's deep. <laughs> that's real deep. Listen, you're listening to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got Dr. White with me, and we'll be right back after this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. You bet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at youbet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. to the pros we, we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports You listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters with my friend, Dr. Danielle Mency-White, who, uh, of course, is uh, working in the field of sports psychology. And uh, before we went to a break, her and I just, we kind of approached something I wanted to spend a little bit more time on, and I knew that I had to go to a break. There are many players out there, current and former players. As, as, as a matter of fact, so much so that years ago, um, during the collective bargaining agreement, one of the things that we wanted to negotiate for was the right for players to have an, uh, an independent medical opinion uh, into the picture to be considered uh, when you make an evaluation of, of a player's health and what was best for that player. Because you, many times players always felt that, you know, the, the team doctor is going to do what's best for the team. 
And what's best for the team is, is to win the game. And if they need you to win the game, you know, there are some players that the talent level was such that a player at a fraction of his 100% was better than his backup. And I always felt that, hell, if I'm hurt, you know, the guy behind me has got to be, you know, better than I am hurt when he's 100%. If we're both 100%, I might be better than he is. But if I'm hurt, if he's not better than me when I'm hurt, then he shouldn't be on the team. And, and so when these doctors are making these assessments like that, uh, what's best for the team to win the game, players always stop and think, wow, I guess the team is more important than, than my health. And, and psychologically, players always know, always knew, and continue to know you really don't want to, well, it's changed a little bit because guys will take a playoff. Back in our day, we never asked for anybody to come in and give me a break because you go in, yeah, you might get a break. The break would be for the other guy because he get an intercepted right. and take it to the house. You might not get back in the game. <laughs> but, but now when you talk about, we talk about, you know, you know the bounties and, and, and we talk about, you know, the the psychological, the motivation effect, the culture, you know, you, when you think about all those things and, and, and then you, of course, got to think about the medical profession that that's that's supporting, you know, these teams, you know, should players, you know, really take. Oh gosh, should they should they have faith in the medical profession that supports these teams? Because I don't care if it's a psychological approach. Because psychologically, you know, he may be telling me that it's okay to go out there and play with my knee the way it is, but you just drained some fluid out my out of my knee. And if the average person just has some fluid drained out of their knee, the doctor gonna tell them to go home, put your feet up, put some ice on, it and relax. Not go play a football game. So, you know, wow, you know, help me on this, doc. You know, I don't care if it's a psychological, you know, opinion or if it's, you know, a physical examination of a player. Should players really trust in the medical professions that are supporting these teams today? That's kind of like a, that's a, um, it's, it's sort of like a double-edged sword. And the reason why I say that is because on the other hand, on one hand, um, the players do have to comply with, uh, the medical treatment that is given to them right there on the sideline. They do have to comply with that. Okay, we know that. Um, on the other hand, you do have the issues where now uh, versus, say, in, say, maybe even 10, 15 years ago, now there's so much at stake for a doctor to place a player out there if that means that that player can be hurt. We're talking about either career-ending or life-ending. Over the course of time, you even look at training camps and, and how, you know, um, our fellow Ohio State, you know, guy who, who uh, collapsed and died. Okay, so you have where, okay, if you put a player back out there and that player is not ready, there's going to, there can be some legal ramifications, not just to the team, but also to the medical staff. So I'm going to say that, yes, trust them, but also know that if there is in any way that your health has been endangered by them putting you back out there, that there are legal ramifications for that. People should always know what their options are. And when, and you, when you're a player, though, like you said, mm -hmm. you got to adhere to, 
you know, the team rules and regulations, you know, even as it relates to medical examination. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there are sometimes like, I'm going to throw Peyton Manning into this. Right. Because recently we heard that the last two games, Peyton was okay to play. That's what the word was thrown out there. We don't, I don't have the examination in front of me, mm-hmm. so I don't know. You know, Peyton was okay to play. Uh, but he didn't play. You know, so I'm sure when, when you think about it, um, you know, if he didn't play, you know, let's go to this emotional component of it. You know, I'm sure he was pretty down about that. The team was pretty down emotionally. You know, he might have been a spark to the team. But then again, if he came back and played, let's let's talk about, you know, the business of sports. He won mm-hmm. those last two games for them. Then perhaps maybe they're not in a position to draft this guy, Andrew Luck, that they're considering drafting him with the first pick. So, you know. You've been okay to play. You don't play. Emotionally, your team is like, well, why isn't Peyton playing? You know, so this whole emotional thing that comes into play, you know, it it it, it just affects everything as it relates to to sports. Your decision making process that people I don't think people think about that. That you know, there are some decisions that you make that are emotional, psychological, you know, decisions that you're making. But yet, and still, you're making them based upon the fact you're thinking about the consequences of what might happen in other aspects. I mean, why the hell does Peyton got to worry about if they're going to win two more games or not? You know, why, why shouldn't he just go out there and say, okay, if I'm ready to play, I want to go play? Well, you know what? I think the best analogy I can make is that Peyton Manning for 14 years was a company man. Okay? Mm-hmm. And when I say that he's a company man, if you listen to the descriptions on, you know, uh, on, in the media now of Peyton Manning and his work ethic, you've heard it throughout his career that, you know, how he would study the playbook and he was such a diligent worker. And I do believe that Peyton himself, if he was going to continue to contribute to the cult organization, he wanted to do so at his 100% best. So although we heard that he was okay to play, did we ever hear that the psych, that not the psychological, but the physical examination itself had taken place and he was at, say, we, know, we just heard okay to play. We didn't hear what a percentage was. Oh, I agree with you. I okay. Agree. I agree. I agree. And so it was, I mean, what, after the Colts lost five straight, then it became a matter of, well, let's see, are they preparing to uh draft Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck's name has been thrown around with, with Peyton Manning's name stirring in the pot there within the Colts organization for the entire NFL season almost. And so as they lost each game and Peyton's there on the sidelines, you know, you begin to wonder, okay, well, are they going to keep him on as perhaps a tutor slash coach for this, you know, rookie that, that they're going to draft? Because obviously the more games they lose, the higher they go up in the draft. So you begin to see that perhaps this was a business decision. So, at, two, so you know, two games. What what was two games at that point? Who had a worse record than them? Right. There wasn't much going to be proven. In fact, exactly. Peyton, Peyton Manning doesn't have anything to prove at all. Nothing. So, so if that's the case, let's go back to the psychological aspect of of of, of an athlete's mindset. Mm-hmm. Psychologically, what could he possibly be thinking? Again, this is a hypothetical because we don't know. You, ha- I don't think you've examined mm-hmm. him. Uh, right, I you, haven't. You know, so, so, but, but just generally speaking, let's let's take this and make it a case study. Mm-hmm. 
you know, psychologically, you know, the man has to be tormented. You know, these are people of which he helped build a stadium. He, re he rebuilt yeah. the city. You know, he bought a, a world championship to the to the city. A hospital hell is named after Peyton back there. You know, how could you psychologically find yourself able to make a decision, you know, after going through all that he's gone through? You know, here's somebody who wants to get on the field, who wants to play football, you know, who's injured, you know, people in the stands are looking at him, you know, maybe to some of them he might look like he's healthy, but again, it's his neck and his, 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 his nerves. Uh, I'm sure he's, he's got a family at home he's mm -hmm. dealing with. He's got a brother that's on his way to perhaps maybe win another Super Bowl. Ends up he's, he, he does win another Super mm -hmm. Bowl. I mean, see, these are things psychologically, you know, uh, uh, could this person be, you know, like you said, you got to watch out for people. Peyton seems mm -hmm. to have it all together. But isn't this, a, uh, isn't this a lot to be on one person psychologically? Yes, uh, and I, I watched that over the course of the season, um, and, and especially as the firings started happening, because when Peyton Manning spoke up about how, you know, everybody was walking on eggshells, he was really speaking about a lot of what was going on within him, okay? And what was going on with him, within him is that, um, for all intents and purposes, I'd, I'd even assess that Peyton Manning is, and I've heard, I, I even heard his father say this, Peyton Manning is a creature of habit. So therefore, as the, the environment started changing and people that had, you know, drafted him, the Polians, and, and that he had worked with, and then he's watching these people get their walking papers, he could only then begin to say, wait a minute, if it could happen to them, it could definitely happen to me because what have I done lately? And this is all that I know. I enjoy being Peyton Manning, the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. And then you look at the fact that he spent, what, he spent his entire four years at Tennessee. So it's not like he had, his, his, he had, he'd had no other previous work experience. Yeah, his life has been pretty consistent. He gets his up every life day. He's been consistent. He, he, yeah, yes. and and so there's really been no adversity, no hiccups in the road for him to really have to deal with. So this is this is a little different, you know. And I remember as I was watching the game last night, uh, they did an interview that was the uh, the Lakers and the Clippers, and there was an interview with Ray Allen, and, and and Ray Allen basically said something about, you know, in in today's game, you know, it, it can happen to anybody. Anybody could be traded, and you know, when you got the yeah. great Peyton Manning. You know who's possibly looking at you know now he's a free agent, so he's he's making this decision uh, himself. But right. uh, it, it just for me, I, I think it's at some point in time it is it's a lot, and and I think that's what the average person out there. And I'm glad you're on the show today because I don't think they understand the psychological effects uh, of what this could even have to do with his household. I mean, here, here's here's now. A household of which normally somebody goes through a process of, of transferring, you know, to another job uh, mm -hmm. or somebody decides to move on. You know, it's it's something that you sit down, you talk about with your family. It's just you and your family. Exactly. This is this is, you know, America. <laughs> this, this You're right. Worldwide, because we're worldwide right now. And so you're there are a lot more people who are a part of this decision-making process. Uh, let me ask you that. In terms of the study of athletes, if you will, mm -hmm. um, 
Is there a, a different approach? And I talked a little bit about this earlier, but is there a different approach in terms of sports psychology in the way you treat or you evaluate uh, athletes based upon the sport? Do you assess and treat an athlete in basketball different than you do in football and track and baseball? Well, I think you have to know um, my, my approach is understanding the culture of the sport. Okay, and when I say that, I mean, for instance, if you look at track and field, track and field, although you may be part of a team, you're still an individual sport. But baseball, football, basketball, soccer, um, those are all team sports. So you're going to have some different, um, some different approaches to individuals that are part of a team and the role that they see themselves as playing on that team. And that's where, again, when I go back to about Ron Artest, that's where you have to begin. Before, before I begin any type of, okay, quote-unquote, work with an athlete, I first like to listen to how an athlete defines him or herself. I like to find out how do you see yourself. If I were being introduced to you and you were the person making the introduction, how would you explain yourself? How would you describe yourself to me? Because only from that can I get an understanding how best to develop rapport with this player. Because again, you have different, you have a different uh, culture within each particular sport. Now you talked about track being somewhat of an individual sport, mm -hmm. and and I like to say that they all. Uh, are individual sports. It's at least the approach because the bottom line is, particularly when you reach the professional level, the contracts are negotiated individually and your individual yes. performance is going to determine if you're a part of that team or not. Exactly. But, exactly. but, but certainly in, in your profession, uh, let me ask you, has the world accepted the profession yet? And if they haven't, uh, the world meaning the world of sports, if they haven't, what is it that they're missing that they could actually benefit from if, if they would receive the profession the way it should be accepted? Well, you know, uh, I want to say was it last summer. Last summer there was a show on, and um, I have to say I was a little salty because not only was it a female psychologist, but she had my name, Dr. Danny, okay? Okay. <laughs> and um, what that show... But it wasn't you. It wasn't you, no, right? It was, okay. it was not me. You know, it was an actress, okay? There you go. Uh, but what that show did and what what... What, what gave me some positive feelings about the show was the fact that here it is, you had uh, the, the central character, a female sports psychologist, and actually she wasn't a quote-unquote sports psychologist, she was a cognitive behavioral uh, psychologist, but she was working with an athlete, uh, a franchise athlete on a pro football team, okay? And this, this, this player, they showed him doing everything from getting drunk the night before a playoff game to showing up, you know, late to practices and all of this. And her job was really kind of to keep him in line and to get him to uh, become more aware of what his decision-making and perhaps where they stemmed from, you know, where, what, what's the root cause of this behavior. Uh, but I bring that up to say is that the fact that that show was on showed that the industry is willing and actually, is, I believe, is going to begin asking for the type of services that I provide in, okay, if this athlete is having these challenges psychologically and it's impacting their behavior off the field, 
then this is also impacting us. So it's not, it's not so much performance on the field related anymore as sports psychology was in its very beginnings, but it's also on, okay, we got to look at this whole person because the whole person is part of our organization. And if this whole person is not able to overcome some challenges, emotional challenges and, and attitude stuff that may go back to his upbringing, his or her upbringing, then we need to find a way to help that person overcome those challenges because bottom line, it's not, it's not even about it's an altruistic, a good thing to do. It's about one negative person can have a negative impact on the value of our brand. Now, oh, but and you and you said brand, and and when you look at brand again, that that's a separation from the athlete and the team, or 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 the sport, if you will, but it's certainly from the team. And if it's college or if it's pros, you know, when does the athlete ever become the priority? Is, is it ever the pri- is the athlete ever the priority, or is it the brand? Uh, I I hate to put it like this, but. I'm not good at telling half truth. You know how we do at the Ohio State University now. We, we. I know. Look, and because of that experience, I only know how to tell the truth when it comes to being real. And yes. that is the only time, and this is with any individual, okay? First of all, we must first be responsible to and for ourselves. That's and important. That's you, could you could built. you repeat that for athletes out there? They need to be responsible for themselves. We must be responsible for and to ourselves. Okay. We must make ourselves the priority. We cannot put that off on any individual, any organization. And I, and, and the reason why I say that is because you look at the economy of our country. Those of us who grew up in the Midwest with Ford and General Motors plants, you know, being the, the thriving heartbed of the, our local economy, and as those industries, as those car manufacturers pull those plants out of our communities, what do we do? We can, we can complain all we want to. However, before they, you know, before they actually took away your livelihood, they did give you an opportunity to get job training. Now, whether or not you took responsibility for yourself and to yourself to take them up on that job training so that you could transition, that was up to the individual. But once they were gone, they were gone. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of who moved my cheese. Exactly. And that's exactly the way it is with athletes. Unfortunately, what most people see, and even athletes, only thing they see is the fact that Hey, the glitz and the glamour of the sport. And unfortunately, too many athletes do not understand that every year there's a draft, which means you can be replaced. For college athletes, every year coaches are they're recruiting. Somebody's going to sign. So you can be replaced. Yeah, that's that's a real sticky situation. We're going to take a break because I know college athletes, oh, man, it's the ugliest thing in the world. You actually have to recruit a person that actually may be coming in to take your job. Exactly. I'm going to take a break here. <laughs> you talk, you're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Dr. White, well, I think she's in the Midwest someplace, but she's right here with you. So be sure to come back after this break. 
flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga race course. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice American Network. I'm in Phoenix and living like it matters. Today, my special guest, Dr. Danielle Mency White from The Ohio State University, I might add. And uh, before we went to break, uh, first, let me just give you a little update in case you, you want to know what's happening in the world of the NFL. I don't think Peyton Manning will be going to the Miami Dolphins because it looks like they've traded the best wide receiver they had on the team. Uh, and that's uh, Brandon Marsh has been traded to the Chicago Bears. So don't think Peyton's going to be handed down that way. And uh, for some reason, the Cowboys got rid of, you know, their cornerback, maybe the best cornerback they had, and that's Newman. So just a couple things to update you in the world of the National Football League. But before we went to break, I just touched on something about colleges and, and, and playing sports, particularly football in, in, at, at the college level, where the recruits come in each week and you have to host them and you know they're coming in to take your job. That's a psychological nightmare. And the professional world, you know, before reality shows ever existed, the reality was you would line up, you cover wide receiver, you step aside, the next play, the person that's there for your job does the same thing. You know that night you got to sleep or don't sleep based upon how you perform. But you got to be responsible for yourself. And, and, a lot of it has to do with what you do on the court, but sometimes players try to do things off the court, and they try to take 
their lives in their own hands and be responsible and maybe live what their where their families want to live. Maybe LeBron James always wanted to live in in Miami, Florida. Maybe he always wanted to play with Dwayne Wade. But but when you start being responsible for yourself and you take on your responsibilities, sometimes there's a tremendous backlash out there. And psychologically, I know that affected LeBron James. So 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 how Doc? How do you you know how do you respond to those people out there? that are trying to be responsible for themselves and for their families and make the best decisions for them. But then this backlash that comes along with it, you know, from the fans out there. I mean, okay, so what's the answer to that? Well, you know, with LeBron James, one of the th- what we saw was the fact that with fans, fans are many times very emotionally tied to an athlete who's tied to a team. And so when they come to equate that athlete with the team and whether or not the team is going to get to the highest levels, i.e. a championship, the fans only see that. That's the only thing that they know. Unfortunately, with the Cavaliers, you had an owner who was fueling the fire as well. Uh, I think a lot of the backlash had to do with... um, the way the decision was announced and the anticipation and the fact that uh, you had several, you really had several teams. It was almost like watching the dating, the old dating game, because you actually had seven, you know, several teams and their fans anticipating um, who was he going to select. And then when he did make that ultimate decision, the backlash was more so from the aspect of that's not the way we do business. And you are a player. You're not an owner. Oh, so the, okay, there we go. Okay. <laughs> now that's so, th- that's where that line where LeBron crossed the line. He took yeah. on a role that uh, it, it could be viewed as. Oh, the owners make those kind of decisions, don't they? Players doing that nowadays. Exactly. And he kind of crossed the line. So that's the owner-player backlash. Okay. And the yeah. only thing that the, the owner could do in terms of a backlash is just you know publicly. Uh, you know, trash LeBron, but he couldn't do oh, anything. Yeah. He couldn't do anything with his money. I mean, he didn't affect his money. So, and, and so that, but the psychological effect for the player, I think, has more to do with the fans. It's like, oh no, did you really love me? Because just be- if you loved me, then why? Because I put another uniform on, did you really hate me? And I mean, some of these people, it's like, it was hate. I mean, it was oh, spit and vinegar and burning jerseys and, you know, I mean, hanging, hanging LeBron. And you, you know, black folks don't like you hanging nothing, you know, not Thank with, you. with their pictures Thank on it. You. you know, so so I mean, that that kind of emotionally that emotionally affected LeBron, I think, all of last year. I don't think he really oh. got over it until this year. And I, I totally agree with you, because think about it. LeBron is not just. From I mean, if anybody knows the Cleveland-Akron area, you could be across the street and be in Akron and then cross back over the street and yes. be in Cleveland. Yes, right. Okay? And you're talking about since, what, his freshman year in high school at least, or, what, what 11 years old? He played with the same guys throughout his life. So that was his life, and he had been loved and adored. And then you look at the money that a young LeBron James during high school brought to the area. So my take on it, again, from the business aspect of sport was, you know, I was actually proud of his ability to say it is time because I do love the game and I do want to compete and reach the highest echelons of the NBA and win a championship. I enjoyed 
playing with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade at the Olympics. It felt good to win a gold medal with with my boys. So now I'm going to take the show to Miami, much larger market. And that was one of the things. And being from Ohio, hey, a lot of people were like, I can't believe you're saying that. And I'm saying, but understand, look at the money he brought to that area. He more than paid, as far as I was concerned, he more than gave back to his community. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I'm, you know, obviously from Star County myself, from Canton, Ohio, born and raised, and, and mm-hmm. the, on, on the south side of uh, Akron, of course, is Canton. You know, it's back to the yeah. Akron Canton Airport, and so I, I was very happy. And 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 I guess the point that I wanted to prove to people, it was about the business of sports, and this is my tie-in to LeBron and Peyton. It's like, okay, here's the opposite end of the spectrum. LeBron mm-hmm. may be one end. And then Peyton's the other end. And everybody wants to say what, what Peyton has done has been so classy and, and what LeBron did was despicable and, and they all hate him. But the fact of the matter, it was both of them handled their business in, yeah. in, in such a way that was, was best for them. Now, with Peyton, again, I think the, the, the emotional scars and psychological scars with Peyton is, is going to be there for, <laughs> be there for a while because of the fact that you know, Peyton's decision for him to leave Indianapolis, you know, wasn't all his decision. It was, it was, no, it, it was physically, first of all. I, I don't think he's physically fit to, to play football. And I think the owner, as all nobody wants to admit this, I think the owner gave him, you know, a golden parachute last year when he got the $25 million yeah. without taking a physical. Mm-hmm. Which, which I think, you know, the collective bargaining agreement might even address that somehow or some way because I just don't know how you do that in professional sports. You know, but again, a $25, $25 million payday and, and, and kind of a golden parachute. But I think, I think where Peyton messed up at is Peyton won't accept the fact that his career is over with because I think he needs to retire physically because I don't think he could absorb a hit in the back. And, 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 and and I, oh my gosh, I so agree with you. And, and one of the things I heard uh, earlier, uh, well, actually late last week, was Chris Carter saying, "What will Peyton Manning do? What is he prepared to do after his his playing career is ends?" That's the key. Well, that's and a that's, transition thing you and I haven't yeah. talked about. We're gonna have to do that on another show. But but you're yeah. right. But but the thing about it is, I think the transition would be difficult for Peyton if he felt the fear of not having options. But I think exactly. we all know that Peyton Manning, you know, there's several jobs waiting for him, you yeah. know. And so his, his, his tie, and I know you, you have a strong opinion about, you know, people, particularly athletes, that are connected to a sport, and the sport is their identity. They, they, they know nothing yeah. else. They do nothing else. They have no other options. And so uh, we've got about three minutes left on that, but we'll just open Pandora's box on that just for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that there's something that athletes should start doing to prepare themselves? Because our good friend Guy Troop has always been helping players, and he continues to help right. players over the NFL alumni. Do you think Peyton could be a case of not knowing what he does next, and psychologically he's having a problem dealing with that. Yeah, I believe that he is struggling with the main his main career because we see he has endorsements. But as far as who am I outside of being Peyton Manning, a quarterback, uh, we haven't heard anything about him like Steve Young, uh, 
actually going to law school. We haven't heard anything like that. So what what has Peyton Manning uh, identified himself as other than a quarterback and Archie Manning's son and the brother of Eli? Well, that's, you know, that, that statement right there in itself, I think, and I want to look at it from a different perspective. I, I think the question in my mind is, what does Peyton want to do? Because he has options. Now, what those options are, I don't know. But he knows because, I mean, he's been very busy in the offseason. He always is. He's, right. he's, he's in demand. I mean, Peyton, from what we've seen, Peyton's not, a, he certainly has a personality, couldn't, probably could be a, a pretty good actor. You know, so there's probably some of those jobs that are out there. He he certainly, you know, appears to be a fairly intelligent person. And I think he already has Peyton Manning Enterprises. Yeah. Uh, Maybe franchise owner of, you know, hundreds of McDonald's. You know, he's got $25 million paycheck last year. You know, so he certainly got enough money to do some things. But we all know there's players that make hundreds of millions of dollars and go broke. And then there's Ponzi scans going. So we we don't know that he's going to be financially secure. It's right. a matter of what he does and the choices that he does make. But I, I, I would just say this. Whatever he does, I wish him the best. He He, he did so much for us, uh, for the sport. Uh, I just don't want to see Peyton Manning carted off a football field. That's my hope and prayer. So, Doc, I just want to thank you for joining me. It's, it's been a great show. We've had a great time. And I'm going to have to have you back. Can, can you promise the world you'll come back? Oh, yes, most definitely. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, for all those out there that didn't know, that was Dr. Danielle Mincy White. Uh, you know, been very influential in uh, a very prominent career uh, in education and in sports psychology. And uh, I just want to thank her for joining my show. You've been listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america sports channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit VoiceAmericasports.com. the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit VoiceAmerica.com. the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management.